20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. This indeed is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you so much for making us part of your day, part of your Saturday. It is the weekend, which is always great. My name is Nick Schmitz. I'll be your host for the day. And Saturday after family night, you know, family night in in Green Bay is really special. Uh, joining me today, Jacob Westendorf. Jacob, um, I know we talked a little bit before the show here about family night and kind of what it means, and we're going to get into it in a little bit here, but this is just, so I live just outside of Green Bay, Jacob, and I was coming home from work uh, fr- Friday night, and I was going to the comic book store to pick something up. Yes, I read comic books. Say what you will. Nerd! <laughs> yes, nerd. I, I get that a lot. But I, I was going to the comic book store, and if you don't know, the comic book store in Green Bay is about a mile down the road from the stadium. And it was about 6 o'clock, and I'm trying to get over there, and I see all this traffic. And I was so confused as to why there were so many people there, and then it dawned on me, oh, right, it's family night, and in Green Bay, Wisconsin, it gets treated like game day. And finally, after about 20 minutes of battling through traffic getting over there, I get to the parking lot and find out that because they're so close to the stadium, they rent out the parking lot for parking for family night, and it was closed. So... Kudos to you, Packer fans, for making something like Family Night so just spectacular. It's it's literally like game day around the stadium. You'd think that there was a regular season game going on based on the amount of people and everything that was going on. So that's really awesome. And so, Jacob, let's start there with Family Night. I know you watched it. As much as you could from Rockford, I am, again, a a moron when it comes to Wisconsin. I've only been living here for two years and didn't realize that the local NBC 26 station was broadcasting it until about 8 o'clock. So I caught the second half of it roughly and uh, was able to, you know, see some of it. But, Jacob, give me some of your takeaways uh, from Family Night. And one of them I think I'm going to enjoy hearing you talk about. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I think it's further proof to what anybody who listens to this podcast already knows, and that is this is the greatest fan base in the NFL uh, because, I mean, who the hell sells out? There are people waiting around the corner for, I mean, well before, like 45 minutes before the parking lot even opened for a practice. I mean, I get it, it's at Lambeau Field, so that makes it a little bit different, but even so, it's practice. Like, it's not even a real game. You sound like and Alan Iverson right now. I sound very close to Alan Iverson. That's what, yes. So go ahead and insert your we talking about practice meme in here. That's fine. But it's crazy that fans will line up like that for a practice. And it just goes further proof. Yeah, football, I, I often say I've got some coworkers that I have uh, that live up in that area. And the way they describe it, it's like the Packers are a religion. Um, and there's some truth to that because somebody said like the first time they were up there, they went to a church and 
the Packers schedule was released at an event in April, and somebody said, oh, yeah, mark that in your phones. And the people that were up there were like, oh, yeah, haha, good one. Like, no, seriously, they schedule their entire church events around the Packers. And if the Packers have a home game, they can't run any events on those given days. And it's crazy. But that's how they are. Um, you know, something else that was a takeaway for me, there's a few, I mean, obviously, uh, we'll get to the stuff on the field here in a little bit, but my biggest thing is, you know, Nick mentioned he lives in green Bay. Uh, so NBC 26, Fox 11, whichever channel he turns that on family night is there. Uh, the people that choose to drive up for family night and someday I will too, uh, when my daughter's born and old enough to appreciate those sorts of things. We'll head up there for that, too, because it'll be a fun experience. But the Packers talk all the time about how they have this this national fan base and fans around the world that will line up and watch the Packers play and all that sort of stuff. So with that being said, I'm not asking them to stream training camp practice every single day. I'm not asking them to stream team meetings. But I do know they used to stream family night because I used to be able to watch it down here from my house. I can't do that anymore because I think it was three years ago they took it off. Uh, they weren't streaming it, and they used to, Nick, you mentioned before the show that they used to broadcast it on the NFL Network as well, and they don't do that anymore. This hyper-sensitive, hyper-secretive culture that is now the NFL where they treat all this information like it's gold and this huge secret. Guys, let me give you a little insight. The Packers are going to run outside zone this year. I know. That's a huge surprise. And their offense is going to be based off of the outside zone. That's funny. And then they're going to run some nickel and dime and sub packages with a lot of defensive backs with Mike Patton. That's crazy that they would see that, think that. Like, there's just not that much. There's nothing that hurts them. I'm sure it has something to do with money, like most things do. But I personally think it's asinine that something that used to be able to be accessible, now we have to find, uh, what's the term, less than legal ways of streaming this event. And I think it's I think it's something, the backers do so little for their fan base. There's so many fan events that they used to have, and I don't mean to like step on John Rahor's hill here and jump all over that with him, but they do so little for their fans that they used to do it's just more and more that they're taken away. And one day, I, I really do. I really fear that one day they'll be down to like, you know, four or five open practices to the public. And they'll treat it like they do OTAs where they have like one of those open. And I just think that'll rob some of the uniqueness that is Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, and the Packers in general, uh, if they ever do. Go that route. So that was one of my big takeaways uh, from Family Night. Nick, if I can go into the actual football stuff if you want. I don't know if you have any thoughts on what I just said. Well, I, I mean, just quickly before we move into actually what we saw, you know, kind of, you know, shifting away from that negative aspect, but just the positive aspect of it. You know, Jacob, you and I are both old enough to remember that before it was called, I, I, I believe it was still called Family Night, but it was the inner squad scrimmage where they, like, actually yep. – had like it wasn't just glorified practice in the stadium it was a scrimmage and there was hitting and contact and for so many reasons that I'm sure everybody can understand 
you know they don't do that anymore but it's 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 a it's a testament to packer fans that you can go from something like an inter squad scrimmage where it's not quite to the level of a preseason game but it's not practice right that you can move from something like that to literally just practice inside the stadium and you're still getting 70 to 75,000 people coming out to that. That's just amazing as a fan base. I know last year one of the big things was I remember the I think it was the Jets like they had their like quote unquote family night and you, there's pictures of the stadium and there's like eight people there. Right? <laughs> you know, and 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 it is different in a city like Green Bay. It's 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 just over 100,000 people and you know, it's you you listen to a lot of the national media they kind of c- compare it to like college town where small town you know big nfl franchise but it's still the fact that you can basically shut down the west side of green bay wisconsin for a practice in a stadium i mean that's just amazing and and you know it's just a testament to the fan base that the packers have and it's it's just really cool to be able to see that for something again practice not a scrimmage nothing more than that it's just it's literally they move across the street into the stadium and do a few extra things there's you know a couple different events that they do uh, as well within the stadium but that's really just cool and you know just to quickly touch on the streaming thing you know it's something that they don't even have to make a deal with the NFL network just put it on your website like it can't be that difficult to have a couple of cameras there that you just stream through the website and allow fans to watch. You know, it's something really cool. It's something they've been doing forever. The players talk about how much fun it is. The coaches love it. You know, you never hear a negative thing about family night. It's so special here in Green Bay, and it would be just really cool if you could extend family night to people that don't live in Green Bay because the reality is – Packer Nation is all across the United States. It's one of the best fan bases, not just simply here in Wisconsin, but it's it's all over the place. Every state, it's there. And to be able to bring something as cool and as special as Family Night across the entire country just by putting it on your website you know, I, I agree. I don't think it's. I don't think it's asking for much. And quite honestly, I don't think it really could be all that difficult. But um, nonetheless, it, it's still a really cool event for Packer fans that are here in Green Bay and able to experience it. Um, just, just really fun. So, uh, but aside from that, let's actually move into what we saw from Family Night. Um, so, Jacob, what did you see actually from the players and the coaches? Uh, from family night that kind of stood out to you well for starters my perfectly legal stream was cut off after a certain point so what i actually saw with my own two eyes and then eventually what i picked up from some of the great people in there that were uh at the event and tweeting things out are going to be two different things here but uh, i know it feels like we talk about wide receivers a lot it seems like every year we're talking about who the 5th and 6th and 7th and 10th and 24th wide receiver is going to be on this roster. And the Packers, they do have a lot of talent. And that continues to show itself. And I think that you know, right now I believe it was either Andy Herman or Zach Cruz. And frankly, I apologize. I don't remember which one. I think it was Andy Herman. Now uh, somebody can I can clarify that once I'm done talking. But 
I, I he said that you know right now the six best receivers on the roster and the six sometimes the best players don't always make the roster. Uh, I know the NFL coaches always say they want the best roster, but that's not always the case. There's guys who are they make the roster because of draft status or you know other reasons, whatever those may be. But right now the six best receivers on the roster are Devontae Adams, surprise, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown, Geronimo Allison, uh, Jake Kumaro, and Trevor Davis. And I really think that those are – those last two names are the ones that, you know, there's been some talk about Jamon Moore and, you know, some of the undrafted guys, Darius Shepard, Teal Redding have made some plays, but those are guys that I think they're going to end up on the practice squad by the end of the year, uh, by the end of the preseason, I should say. But uh, Trevor Davis, I think, has taken a leap. Uh, you can see him actually, you know, Trevor Davis's thing was he could always make plays with shorts on, uh, but when the pads came on is when he started to struggle or disappear or something of that sort, and he hasn't. Uh, he's made contested catches. He's made deep plays down the field. He's made plays in the intermediate levels. He's their best return man. I'll continue to say that until you guys finally start to listen to me on that. But um, he's been really good. Uh, and Kumaro, I know I said, you know, I tweeted out before camp. I've kind of been going through some of my observations as camp has progressed. But at the beginning, I said he wasn't making the roster. And I've been pretty staunch on that because – He's 27 years old. You know, this is his fourth team or something like that. I mean, he's not a young player. He probably is what he is, kind of that point. But what he is at this point, you know, he's making making plays with Tim Boyle or Manny Wilkins or some of the, you know, roster fodder towards the back of the roster is one thing. Uh, it's something completely different to be running with Aaron Rodgers and making plays with Aaron Rodgers and big plays, tough plays, contested plays, all that kind of stuff. And at some point that also becomes hard to ignore. Now the odd man out that you're looking at in that case is Jamon Moore, who they took in the fourth round last year, which is another reason why I kind of thought he would really have to outperform uh, Jamon Moore or Trevor Davis would have to stink up the place for him to not make the roster. Well, Davis hasn't stunk up the place. And as of right now, and granted it's August, you know, 3rd, so it's not exactly, you know, late in camp or anything like that. But as of right now, he's outperforming Jamon Moore. And it's by a, a significant enough margin, I think, to where I'm not ready to say right now because there hasn't been one snap played in the preseason. Uh, but, I mean, he's looking like somebody that could definitely make the roster. So those are two guys. Trevor Davis, I think, is – I don't want to say set in stone, uh, but he's been their primary return man since camp opened. Uh, and I think that that was something that – Obviously, they brought in some competition for him uh, with some of the guys that they brought in after the draft. Corey Grant, the running back they signed, is obviously somebody they could use on that as well. But I think Davis is their best return man, and he's making plays as a wide receiver. So he's not just a return man anymore, if that's the case. So you don't have to answer that question anymore. And Kumaro's done enough, I think, at least at this point, to where it's going to be, yeah, he's going to make the roster. Uh, but there's that's the beautiful thing about training camp is there's a lot of competition. A lot of things can change very quickly. We've seen players make plays early and then bow out uh, later as camp goes along. You know, consistency is kind of the hardest thing to come by when it comes to NFL players. And the other unfortunate reality is a lot of these questions, more often than not, get answered by injuries. Uh, the Jake Kumaro question basically got answered by that last year because he hurt his shoulder and the Packers could buy – eight weeks by putting him on the pup list 
Um, so they were able to do it that way. So unfortunately, that's the way that some of these roster questions are going to get answered as well. But right now, yeah, I think I agree. And it was Andy Herman. I was able to look while I was talking. But uh, Andy Herman said, yeah, those are the six best receivers. And I agree with him for right now. Uh, Jamon Moore should not be guaranteed a roster spot. I don't care if he was the 101st overall pick. Uh, at some point, you have to make plays on the field. And he hasn't made plays on the field as of yet, not at least consistently enough to where I can say he's deserved. Plus, think about it this way, guys. If you're Matt LaFleur and you're trying to establish a culture, and Brian Gutekunst, you're trying to establish a culture of new era and everything is you know, going back from or going forward from the previous regime, how do you do that and then keep somebody on the roster who hasn't earned their way over somebody who has. And now, granted, like I said, that could change between now and the end of camp. But if it doesn't change, how do you do that? Look your players in the face and say, hey, you know, we're still trying to do the best thing that's best for the team, the best players are on the team, all that good stuff. How can you do that and then cut a guy like that? I don't know. So that remains to be seen, how that will shake out. But I do think that, yeah, as of right now, those two guys, those two guys have positioned themselves uh, very well for a place in this offense and on the roster. Yeah, and you know, I the one thing as I was watching the little bit of family night that I was able to see is you watch it and it's, you know, for me, I, you know, even though I live in Green Bay, I haven't been able to make it to training camp. I've been working. Um, and so this was the first time I really got to see, you know, with my own eyes, things that are going on. And the thing that I keep having to remind myself is, like you said, it's it's August 3rd. They haven't played a preseason game yet. And so, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, you know, just because things looked good for a player on family night doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate over into the next four or five weeks here. And, you know, yes, Kumaro, and if, if you've listened to this podcast, Jacob is annoyed to hell with it, I'm sure. I love Jake Kumaro. I really hope he makes the team. But ultimately, it, I, I'm, I want to see the best players make the team. So if they make a decision that, you know, somebody's better, so be it. But, you know, one thing, too, also that I, I guess this is my Minnesota roots coming up here, and it's not to say I'm in no way comparing the two players because as of right now they're not even close. But one of the things is I when I think of Jay Kumaro, a slight comparison that comes to mind is Adam Thielen in Minnesota. He played at a Division II college. Kumaro played at a Division III college. Adam, Adam Thielen was undrafted. So just because... Kumaro played at a Division three college and has bounced around. It doesn't mean that he can't eventually make a roster, but it also, just because you have somebody out there like Adam Thielen who has done it, he is the exception, not the rule. So just keeping that in mind with Jake Kumaro for whatever it might mean, I just, out of personal bias, want him to make the team, but um, whether or not he does... Ultimately, the real thing is we need Aaron Jones to carry the ball a lot. That's a different discussion for a different day. Anyway, um, so speaking of Aaron Jones and the running backs here, Jacob, I know we've we've talked about this before, and I don't really want to talk about it because it annoys me, and I know it annoys you based on what we the conversations we've had. But can we just discuss this, please, quickly, Jacob, and put it behind us and – if you're listening and you disagree with us, I, I, I guess I get it, but we think you're wrong, uh, which is this whole idea of 
the Packers needing to trade for Melvin Gordon. And I've seen people post about it on Twitter, and I've seen people make the argument that, you know, he grew up in Wisconsin and he played college ball at at Madison for the Badgers, and so bring him, bring him home. That's not a reason to trade for Melvin Gordon. And, I mean, Jacob, can, can, can you just weigh in here quickly, and then I'll give some thoughts as well at the end here. But Melvin Gordon, the, the Packers don't need to trade for him, do they? No. <laughs> no. Um, Melvin Gordon's a good player, but, I mean, anybody who's followed along with me for the last – God, five years or however long I've been doing podcasting. Um, the running back position, it's just devalued. I'm sorry. I feel bad for guys like Zeke Elliott in Dallas and Gordon even too. You know, Gordon has produced to the point where he deserves a certain contract. But, you know, the, the position is just – and Todd Gurley is the example that those guys are going to use. And the Rams last year – Granted, Todd Gurley was one of their best players, but the Rams essentially got to the Super Bowl without Todd Gurley doing a whole hell of a lot in the playoffs. Now, he had a big game or a couple big runs against the Cowboys, but I know the NFC Championship game he barely played. There were questions on was he being disciplined, was he injured, what's the deal? And he was, or he was hurt. And he is hurt. He's got a degenerative issue in his knee. You know, the position is just one where people fall off like a cliff very quickly. Having young, cheap players that are very good, it's funny because the same people that are the ones talking about how, oh, Aaron Jones is a star in the making. Aaron Jones is this. Aaron Jones is great. Aaron Jones is going to be awesome. We need him to carry the ball more. Now basically want to piss all that out the window, sign somebody that will have to make 10 or $11 million more than what Aaron Jones makes, which isn't a whole hell of a lot because he was a fifth-round pick. When if healthy, and granted healthy, that's a big concern if you have questions about Aaron Jones. One of them is he hasn't been able to stay healthy for an entire season. I don't know what the answer or how to fix that, so to speak, but it is at least a fair question to be asked. But if he's healthy, Aaron Jones is going to give you the same production that Melvin Gordon will do at one-tenth of the cost. Why are we even talking about this? Again, there's nothing, nothing quite like this from what I've gathered. And granted, I don't follow like every fan base in the NFL so I don't know if it's like this but like I have people that I follow that are like Detroit Lions fans for example because I follow a lot of Michigan people because I'm a Michigan football fan and they don't do the Badger Packer thing with Wolverine Lion like they do in Green Bay like if this guy's a Badger he has to be a Packer or this guy's automatically better because he's a Badger there is no other fan base that I've run into that is quite like that. And it remains strange to me, but yeah, as soon as you bring up, Oh, he played at Wisconsin or he's from Wisconsin or uh, who cares? Uh, I don't care where they're from. If he's going to make $11 million and play running back, I don't care. Well, and you know, Um, when, you know, Jacob, I feel like this, this kind of leans into that whole and I know you love this when this gets brought up, but I feel like it, it leans into the same thing as T.J. Watt, that you know, you and Owen have both said that if T.J. Watt went anywhere else other than Wisconsin, Packer fans would not have been nearly as upset on passing on him. And I feel like this is just the same thing. He went to Wisconsin, people saw him play, and is he a great running back? Yes, he's really good, but I just... I, I, I'm with you. I don't see why you would pay somebody you know, $10 million plus million a year for a position that, I mean, A, they have 
right now at least a lot of depth with, you know, and you've got players that can do what he can do at a fraction of the cost. Yeah, and, I mean, you've seen it. The Packers are going to have some other players that they need to give. Like, think of it this way, guys. Who would you rather have going into next year? That $10 million, would you rather give that to Melvin Gordon or, like, Blake Martinez and some of Kenny Clark's extension or maybe a wide receiver that hits the market or a cornerback or, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, avenues to go with there. But the answer for me is almost never going to be Melvin Gordon. And that's with all due respect, because like you said, I think he's a good player. And I think that it's very possible. It's the same with Zeke Elliott. You know, I could say Zeke Elliott's a really good player, but if I'm the Cowboys, I'm not paying him. You have zero leverage right now to get a new contract. There's two full years he has left before he can become a free agent. There's no need for the Cowboys to pay him right now. And Zeke, for my money's worth, is one of the best in the league, one of the five best, If and five might be too generous. He might be one of the three best in the NFL. But, you know, on the flip side, the Cowboys and their fan base will always tell you, well, plug anybody behind our offensive line and they can run for 1,000 yards. Yes, that's exactly the point. Like, you can find people to do things, maybe not quite like Zeke can do, but similar to that for a fraction of the cost. The Packers already have that. They have Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams is Brandon Jackson. I'm going to make that comparison a lot. Dexter Williams has that one cut-and-go juice. It may not hit right away, but you can see it. Corey Grant has been successful with this offensive coordinator just two seasons ago. Had the Jaguars won and played in the Super Bowl, we would be talking about the Corey Grant game plan. They got the Jaguars to the Super Bowl by beating Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in Foxborough. So the Packers have those guys there. Uh, trading draft capital, if the Packers are going to trade, I mean, not only that, you're talking about having to give up a, for the Chargers to even think about trading him, probably a second-round pick, if not more. So a second-round pick in a $10 million contract, if I'm doing that, it better be for, like, Chris Harris or somebody like that that was on the trade block this offseason. They don't need that. They've got their guys. They're Okay. Uh, the running back position is one of the last concerns you should have about this Packers team at this point in time. I would agree. I would agree. And, you know, I I, I, I don't want to be, like, mean about it, but it's just it's one of those things. It doesn't need to happen. The Packers don't need Melvin Gordon. Like, if the Packers – and, and I, would, I would venture as, mu- as, as far as to say if the Packers are, quote-unquote, unsuccessful this season and, you know, miss the playoffs – it's not because they didn't trade for Melvin Gordon. Like that's like that's not that's not how that's going to work. If if they're not successful this year, that could be a contributing factor the run game. But Melvin Gordon is not a piece that's going to put you over the top. He's just a piece that'll help you, but not put you over the top necessarily, and is going to cost you a boatload of money. I'll be mean about it. I don't give a damn about your feelings. So, yeah, I'll be the guy who's mean about it then, I guess. Because last year, the, the running backs who got the majority of like touches in the Super Bowl were, okay, Sony Michelle, who didn't really – actually, it was James White, fifth-round pick, and C.J. Anderson was a guy they pulled off of the street, dusted off like an old Bible in your nightstand when you need something bad, and – just threw him out there, and he was a starting running back, essentially, in the Super Bowl. Todd Gurley was the starter in name, but he didn't really play. I never in the history of the NFL, I would venture to guess, and maybe I'm exaggerating, maybe this isn't the most informed take, but 
never in the history of the NFL would I bet that a team was ever a running back away from going to the Super Bowl. If the Packers go to the Super Bowl this year, it'll be because, yeah, the running game will be part of that. I'm not ignorant enough to say that. The running game will be part of that, but it'll be because their defense was markedly better than it was a season ago, and the new head coach and the quarterback gelled, and the offense is back to its ways of making big plays in the passing game. But if they lose in, say, like the divisional round, I don't think we've ever sat back and said, man, you know what? If we had just had an elite running back, we would have won. Somebody said the other day, like, when's the last time the Packers had a great running back? And it was like, well, I mean, it, Eddie Lacy was pretty good for a little while. And Ryan Grant and before him. And Ryan, I mean, they've never had, since Amon Green in 2003, have they had the guy at running back? No. But they also won a Super Bowl with Brandon Jackson and James Starks. Not exactly Adrian Peterson and Barry Sanders back there. No offense to those two guys. They were both good players, but the the elite runners, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. And like you said, Nick, I think this really comes back to if, because nobody's clamoring for the Packers to trade for Ezekiel Elliott, who's in the same exact predicament. He just hasn't formally requested a trade like Melvin Gordon Well, has. he also played at Ohio State, which Badger fans, not a big fan, I'm sure, just like you. No, no, and I understand that. I hate Zeke. Like, I go to bed having nightmares about Zeke Elliott still from his days at Ohio State. But if we're going to clamor for trading for a running back, that's the guy. Zeke Elliott, like I mentioned, one of the three best running backs in football. However, let me get back to full course here. We're not trading for a running back. They don't need to trade for a running back. There's no good outcome that comes out of trading draft capital and salary cap space for a running back like that. It just it doesn't make sense. And what I was getting at was Melvin Gordon played at Wisconsin. That's really what it all comes back to. And if he didn't play at Wisconsin, nobody would care. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Jacob, we are out of time for the day here. Quickly, though, before we wrap up, people want to follow you. How can they do that? Yeah, I'm at Jacob Westendorf on Twitter. You can find me uh, at Dairyland Express writing. And actually next weekend, uh, August 10th and 11th, I will be in Green Bay. So if you guys want to meet up and have a curd burger and talk some Packers or something like that, I believe Paul Brettel and I are going to meet up and do some content-related stuff. So that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, I'm coming home for a weekend. So I'm going to be a little excited about that. So come hey. by, say hello, Maggie hey. Lawler. There you go. So make sure to follow Jacob on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsMini. Even though I live in the area, I will actually be out of town next weekend, Jacob. I am having my bachelor party before uh, before the wedding. So, um, so I unfortunately will not be able to be there with you guys, but uh, that's okay. I don't think anyone really cares about that. So No, and I would just like to point out, at Annie Lincoln held, that is a much more entertaining follow than Sports Schmitty is. So it, and that no is, that. Th- that is 100% factual. I do not deny <laughs> that at all. So, well, thank you, Jacob, for, for joining me tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. And make sure to like and subscribe and follow the podcast you can follow on twitter at packaday podcast and make sure that you are following the uh, podcast as well on your favorite podcasting platform at packaday podcast as well so thank you so much again for listening guys and as always go pack go